Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. And we are here for Adam's birthday choice. And the, <laughs> and the concluding part of Crazy Bastard Month, uh, we are here covering seven. What a celebration we're having. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, just, it's all for you, Chris. He was like, how can I make yeah. my birthday really fucking miserable? <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, oh, I think uh, you might have had that in mind. There will be spoilers and there will be swearing. A little bit late for that, but uh, you, you you know the score. You've been here before. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, for a very, very dark, uh, morose sort of film, as you just showed us, Adam, there's some pretty good quotes in here. <laughs> oh, the, the, the thing I forgot is because this is... I mean, I was obsessed with seven when it first came out mm, i think i okay. saw it in the cinema at least three times Bloody really uh, yeah then i had then i had it on uh video i had it on dvd then the dvd yeah. so, so what, wait, what, what year was it, it <laughs> it's like 94 5 it's, 6 it, it's well, it's an interesting one it's, it's 95 but it was released over here in january 96 so, okay, but so that was probably a fairly early DVD, wasn't it? Like, oh, when did yeah. DVDs come out? Yeah, it was, well, because that was the thing. So I got it on video. The DVD was probably about 98. Mm, okay. Around the, it, DVDs really took off with The Matrix. Mm -hmm. So around, yeah, 98, 99, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I'd, bought, I'd, I'd got it on video. I bought it on DVD, but it was like an, an original DVD where it's like, Interactive menus apparently count as a fucking special <laughs> yeah. um, feature. And then the fuckers, about three years later, released like a double disc with like deluxe commentaries mm. and fuck it. it. Pretty much the interesting thing is I've got it. I, I've, I've accidentally inherited it on Blu-ray somehow, mm. which is weird. It just turned up on Blu-ray and I'm like, Oh, well, I'm definitely no. It was like a batch of Blu rays, and they were like, Oh, if you want anything out of them, just take it. And I was like, Well, mm -hmm. I'll keep seven. So, you know, that definitely, I'll, because I'll watch it again. And, um, yeah, there's not the, that double disc is pretty much what's on the Blu ray. There's no, they mm -hmm. really fucking did a massive job on it when they sort of released it on the special edition DVD. But you saying that, uh, I actually watched it again because it was when it came out on the special deluxe double DVD. Mm. It was one of the first DVDs that Jennifer ever bought. Um, mm. And that was what I watched it on uh, for this evening. And I can nice. tell you, it looks like Dog Todd. It's fucking Does awful. It? Yeah, and it sounds <laughs> terrible as well. It's mm. such a, it's almost VHS quality. It's like they've just <laughs> put the VHS on a disc. It's absolutely mm. diabolical. Oh, well, um, well I mean, I'll, I'll, be, I'll have to say the fucking Blu-ray. Yes, they've really. <laughs> it it's definitely the best I've ever seen it. I mean, it's not quite when you, we bought the DVD of Withnor and I after watching my shitty video of it for years, <laughs> and you actually realise that the opening sequence is in daylight, <laughs> and he's wearing a light blue jumper, not a dark fucking green one. Yeah. So you know it was, but yeah, the the Blu-ray looks really fucking nice and and actually that was one of the things that that came up that i and like i say i was obsessed with the film so a lot of sort of stuff notes and things that i took about it 
were actually me remembering stuff I'd read at the mm. time when I was sort of obsessed over it and everything. And for example, you saying about like the trouble is with the colours is that um, David Fincher want basically I think he he described it as wanting to make a black and white film in colour. Yeah, that's interesting. And mm. and obviously it's very like sort of film noir, sort mm. of forties detective, almost German expressionism sort of. Mm. There's a lot of really dark contrast it's, in it. And I guess he's he's kind of done a good job of turning that into something that is accessible still oh, to, definitely. I'd imagine definitely. a lot of people. I don't, says, think yeah. I don't think he hasn't done it to the detriment of it being an entertainment, in entertaining film. It doesn't, there's not enough to take you out of it. No. But even when they were processing the film, they did a thing that was like called um, bleach bypass or mm, silver okay. retention or something like that. And basically celluloid film when you um develop it um the blacks sort of wash out because um they don't keep silver nitrate in the chemical composition of it it gets like mm. washed out but they actually had copies of it done with this silver retention thing so if you saw that version and i think that's what they've mastered like mm. the latest versions of is yeah, everything's like like it's none more black. Is you know there are there are sort of parts of that where it's like it's like looking into an abyss. <laughs> you know, it's not even sort of yeah, not, uh, not just metaphorically. Yeah, it's 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 literal absence. Yeah. It's really fucking sort of odd. But yeah, they, and so there was all sort of stuff like that. He obviously had that sort of clear vision for it. Mm. Um, the one thing I got watching it probably more than anything was. Holy shit! They really ripped this off for the Dark Knight, particularly the end where it's a lot more action. All the actiony bits really feel like later Batman films. Yeah, mm. and I think much in the same way that Heat is definitely an influence on Christopher Nolan Batman films. Um, but yeah, definitely, I think Sevens, and also so much of it is just oh yeah, I remember the nineties. Because this film basically meant that every serial film, serial killer film or crime film afterwards, for the next five years, had wobbly scribbled credit sequences and mm. those little sort of blasts and things like that. It's funny watching it. I was like, "Oh, this does remind me of my favourite music video of all time." And then I looked, and I was like, "Oh yeah, David Fincher made that music <laughs> video around this time." So that explains exactly why. Yeah, video was it? Oh, Judith. The video for Judith by a perfect circle, which is yeah. just phenomenal and looks exactly like this movie. Yeah, um, it really does. And, and it's got to be said, although I said it looks like absolute shit on DVD, it works for this film because it's grainy and it's horrible. Yeah. Mm. Well, this yeah. film is just so miserable. I mean, and it, it's funny. The other thing is, I mean, this is one hundred percent a horror movie through and through, but it is mm. a it is a, a police procedural, effectively. Yeah. So that's that's what I was surprised about how much it is about, and also their relationship. So yeah. them them mm. as the the veteran uh, detective and the rookie, and how they play off each other, which I thought Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman worked. And it's, it's funny in my head, I I was trying to imagine how it would work before watching it. And I really did like the way they both were. But yeah, mm. just it, it definitely is. There's so much about 
um, the actual detective side of it, which I wasn't really expecting that. Well, they're two such completely different actors, which I think mm. is why it works perfectly, because mm. when you put them in as two people who work together, yeah, it doesn't how they uh, yeah. It doesn't quite work as you know, as it doesn't when you're just chucked in with somebody mm. and you have to work yeah. with them all day, every day. Um and of course, because they're both titans, um mm. it, it, they, they just make it not work but work at the same Somehow time. It's like, it's well, it especially stood out when they have the scene where um his wife, uh Mill's wife, which I've forgotten her name, uh no, it's Gwyneth Paltrow, um Tracy. she invites Stacey. Tracy. Tracy, Tracy, yeah. Um, she invites um, Somerset round, and it's like then the change mm. and how like is that yeah just really made it stand out. See, that's the weird thing. I mean, it's it starts grim. It starts on a fucking mm. body, yeah, and uh, admittedly not one of the murders, but it starts on a body, so you're already there, and you. But that um, you you do get that feeling of. Um, it sort of softens you up a bit because you do get engaged by other aspects of it. Yeah. Like I say, you've got like the, the, like, there's a certain thing the the people who don't give a shit are funny because of not giving a shit. Like the cops who it's just a job and they're not bothered. Mm-hmm. And like when he's saying to him, well, why, why do you ask, why are you asking whether the kids saw it? Who cares? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And there's, there's it's almost humorously, apathetic and sort yeah. of thing. and but actually it sort of comes to the heart of it of being neglect and negligence yeah is that yeah it does that really does come across that it's like, the whole I, I city is it. just this horrible place mm. well it's that that's the other thing as well it's basically gotham without batman yeah, yeah. okay it's got a joker yeah. and this is what happens if batman's not around because mm. there's no one yeah, fucking nuts enough to work against it in a way but it is it's that uh, constant rain as well which is like it just mm, makes mm. It, it makes everything feel grimy and unpleasant and just yeah. and that, to be in and the weirdest thing is with that the rain that was all because they only had brad pitt for i think a week mm. and they thought if the weather turns we're fucked so they just had it raining all the time mm. in case of bad Thank weather because <laughs> it was like right if, if if we film in brilliant sunshine and we make it rain fine but if we're filming if yeah. if we wanted brilliant sunshine and it starts raining we're fucked so yeah they just decided that that was i mean it, it definitely helps with the i don't think it's just purely that it definitely does I'm trying to think, the sort of... is the only time when it changes the end scene when they're driving Which, out yeah that sort is... of adds something Someone pointed out the first time you see the sun in the film is when John Doe yeah. turns up, mm, and and I suddenly I was suddenly struck by that because it was like something I hadn't seen online. But obviously you've yeah. got all the stuff in there like Paradise Lost, like John Milton mm. and the bit where he says, "Oh, if we meet him, and he is actually the devil himself, yeah, uh, then we might be," you know, that sort of <laughs> line. But then the devil turns up, and. Lucifer, the bringer of light. So it's almost like he turns up and then it's sunlit. Yeah. But that's not actually a good thing in this no. circumstance, you know. But it's interesting because the, the, the one thing I, I always found is that they do, like, the second half, the, the last third, rather, like when mm. John Doe turns up, that's the only time they really get on mm. is when, A, they both, real, they both agree he's up to something mm. 
and but also when they're sitting there, when they're pre like shaving their chests for the um, yeah. uh, to put the uh, wire taps on, mm. and just yeah, that's the only time you see them really sort of like just knock about and yeah, they really enjoy each other's for the first company. Time in an yeah. hour, after an hour and a half <laughs> of just being vaguely tolerant, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose it like it's. I just think it is believable because this is quite a case for um, both of them to be on as a retiring and as his first case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's another thing. I always I always forget that Ali Ermley from uh, Full Metal Jacket is the police chief in this, and he's just fucking great. Again, there's another f fantastically funny bit where when he answers the phone, "There's not even my desk." <laughs> and then just slams the phone down. and they put all these things in and then roughly around the time of lust because that is fucking vile mm. like the whole concept of that killing is so horrible that's kind of the turn into oh this is actually quite fucking nasty mm. you know that's the point where it's like oh no this is well as they say it isn't going to end well Yeah, and it doesn't but yeah, it's um, yeah, just a, and like you say, the the thing I've always this is the story I heard like years ago. Basically, what happened was is that obviously there's um, I'll have to uh, Andrew Kevin Walker is the scriptwriter who also I think he did like a few I think he did Sleepy Hollow, um, mm, nice. but he, he's he sort of oh and he definitely did the Wolfman the Benicio del Toro version. Do you know what? I don't think I've watched that again since we saw it at Leicester Square on its opening <laughs> weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and he basically, he'd written the script and it was as, the ending was as you see, hmm. like in the film, or pretty much as you see in the film. And basically he was touting the script around and lots of people were like, well, it's a really good script, but we're not going to be able to sell it with that ending. So he revised the script as he was going and there were different versions floating around. Brad Pitt got sent it to, like, you know, to see if he was interested, accidentally got sent the original version mm. and basically put his foot down and said, right, like, it got on board. Then they said, oh, well, there's been a cock up. We've got, and basically the ending was going to be they rescue, like, they get to his flat just as John Doe's breaking in and they rescue Tracy. Mm. And, you know, and it's, and, uplifting version of it obviously yeah. and um yeah brad pitt basically said well i ain't doing the film unless we do the script i read because <laughs> that's the fucking good film yeah he's absolutely and, um, right like yeah. if she'd got rescued at the end i don't think it would have been the massive kick in the stomach that everyone mm. gets when they first seen and in my mind you see her head in this box when i watched oh, it right. back, and i was like oh no you just see a cardboard <laughs> box and they tell you yeah. what's in it you never mm. In my mind, I was convinced we'd seen it. Yeah, there I is a weird, there, there is a weird little thing though, is and it's weird because of obviously David Fincher going on to do Fight Club. I there's a um, just at the end, just before I, I think it's actually seven minutes before the end of the film <laughs> is the timing of it, but basically um, there is a subliminal cut of Gwyneth Paltrow's face. Mm. Oh really? Yeah, and it's not—it's not her beheaded or anything else like that. It's literally just a close-up of her face. And 
they flash it just at the point where Mills works out what's in when he says her lovely head and he's like trying to control himself. Yeah. Mm. And they flash it in at that point. So kind of you do see it. You do, yeah. But it's on like on a pretty subconscious level, as it were. And um yeah. I've got to say, like I, I went through a phase of being as I, I think I said it on the interview with the vampire episode, of being like Brad Pitt is not a great actor, and I don't know why. Like, he's a pretty boy, and that's why he gets all these roles. And I mm. think the reason is he did about three films in a short period where he played effectively the same kind of character, and it was this and Fight Club uh, and 12 Monkeys. Yes. And, like, he's got very similar mannerisms in all of them, and I think that's kind of why I wrote him off to some degree. Um, but, yeah, obviously, like, when you look at his whole broadsheet of work now it's incredible mm. when you can see our diversity um, his film he did uh last year uh bullet train oh yes yeah. yeah oh that was just absolutely spectacular i can't wait to mm. rewatch that it was fantastic um but yeah i think that was what it was like he did a few films in a short well, period mm. where he, he he acted too similarly like he didn't show his full range which we, we mm. now know he's got and if mm. you look back at his previous films, but I think a lot of the stuff he did before wasn't things I'd have watched. So the stuff no. that he did within my field of interest was all a bit similar. And I was like, oh, he's yeah. just another person who, like, he's all right, but he just always plays the he's same He's just character. a Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah, basically. And then, <laughs> but yeah, but now going back, and watching it, I was like, mm. but, it, but it nails it. It does, it's, yeah, yeah. His character, he's exactly right. Like that. Uh, I was trying to decide which films it was going to be that you'd say the three, but I, I loved him in 12 Monkeys and Fight Club. And Yeah. So... Well, 12, 12 Monkeys he did immediately after this. That's what mm. he had. To, that's why they only had him for seven days because he was going to okay. be filming 12 Monkeys. And yeah, and obviously Fight Club, I think like three years afterwards because you've got, because yeah. obviously that's David Fincher as well and you've got the game with Michael Douglas in the middle of it. Okay. So I, I'd had a long... That, that is good. Is it? Although it used but, to be, there used to be that thing where the people said that David Finch was like Star Trek movies. All the even-numbered ones were good, right. <laughs> which, which sort of worked up until the point where it was like, so Benjamin Button counted as a crap one, and mm. um, yeah, and then the next film was The Social Network, and it was like I'd rather <laughs> cut my genitals off with a rusty knife than watch anything to do with fucking Zuckerberg. <laughs> I was like, yeah. this cannot be fascinating. You Although I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. Man but... <laughs> who punished the world through seventeen and now it's, this is the bloke who invented Facebook. Fuck me! I I'm can't assuming wait the action sequences in this. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm assuming he doesn't show him in a good light. I don't know. I genuinely do not know. I could not bring myself to watch it. No, nor me. Mind you, saying that I've not seen Benjamin Button either. So Benjamin Button was just a bit sort of. It was like. Imagine if, um, I think the best way, it reminded me a bit of like if Gilmero del Toro was a bit too sentimental. <laughs> you know, sort of like, like like a rich box of chocolates, you know. So I, lost, <laughs> I feel a bit sick now. <laughs> but um, but actually, in thinking, but this was something I hadn't realised as well. But now all four principal cast members are Oscar winners. Mm. Yeah. And Kevin Spacey's won twice. He won for Usual Suspects and um, 
American Beauty. So he won like best actor and best. And actually, Brad Pitt was the last of them to get an Oscar. He got it for mm. uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. Which is another film that you really liked. Now the, that is an amazing. That film. helped to cement Brad Pitt as yeah, totally, as a good actor too. Yeah. Totally kick ass. The uh, weirdest thing is Brad Pitt really plays an idiot well. Mm, yeah. yeah, like Mills is not Mills is mm. well-meaning, but yeah. not the smartest guy. Mm. And like Burn after reading, he is <laughs> you know he is just a, a total goon in that. You know he's just. <laughs> He is book. hilarious in that. Like, like he is one of the crowning things in that film. Mm. He just, but he does. He does it. It, it's weird that you can that because it's because it's never a, a sort of like you say. You uh, what's the what was the term, Claire? Distractingly handsome. Distractingly handsome. <laughs> which was, and yeah, and so, but it's never good to look an idiot. But he's he can do it. And channel it well, and you know it's, yeah. you know he's not there thinking I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look bad. You know he's he's acting, so it's... absolutely. And, and Claire's absolutely right because that was the reason he didn't get his break in the Elvira movie, wasn't it? He turned up for the audition uh, as one of the teenagers in the Elvira yeah. movie. Um, and yeah, Cassandra Patterson said, "Look, you can't have this kid here." And then I go for the other guy because there's no way you wouldn't go for Brad Pitt. So you'll have to cast somebody else because yeah, it's just it, completely then unbelievable. Because then it gets faintly PD as well. Because well, he's that as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you're talking about supporting cast. I'd never noticed before. I say I've not watched this film in probably 15 years. Mm. John C. McGinley in this um, as the head yes. of the SWAT team. Yeah, I, California. Yeah, yeah when the... he started, I was like, hang on a fucking minute. I definitely, I didn't even see his face. I just knew the voice straight away. And I was like, that's definitely him. And I went and Googled it and I was like, shit, yeah, it is. And he's in it a few times, you know? Yeah, I'd completely, I, I'd totally forgotten it was him. I'd never noticed it was him before. Mm. And I think, weirdly enough, it was probably the connections that I would have made were after my seven obsession or whatever like that. Um, but yeah, he's, fucking great in it again yeah. not afraid to look an idiot because no. you know th this is the thing is that you you do realize that the police are fairly inept yeah in the, i mean basically because their best detective just has given up and yeah everyone else is a fucking ted is like <laughs> but yeah and morgan freeman obviously is such an outstanding actor um mm. But he does. He plays the character in this as someone, as you say, who's given up and he's mm. just like, mm. I, I, I can't do this. Like, I, I can't make enough of a difference to write yeah, off the rest yeah. of my life to not have enough of an effect. And it's yeah. really, he just plays it so solidly. It's yeah. absolutely incredible. So what I was trying to work out, it's, um, um, it'd be kind of good to go through the seven um, sins <laughs> again, yeah. just to remember them but so so the purpose of john doe like he because it was fascinating when they're talking in the car mm. and and he is explaining it and because you start off and you're sort of like you know you hate him but mm. then he's talking it's like there's some sense to it there's at no point would i say this is the way that you should try and bring around change but his idea of it needs to be hard hitting and yeah. then at the very end 
um, uh, Somerset, Detective Somerset says something like, um, oh, it's a fine world and I'm going to fight for it. And I, it's, I it's believe a fine the world second, and worth fighting for. Fight for it. And I'm going to, I believe the second part of it. Yeah. So, like, what, so what's he mean there? Like, is he, he's, he's not he going to retire? I, I, d well, because there's the thing where he says, where will you be? And he just goes around. Mm. And you're like, oh, so you're probably not going to retire. Yeah. Because in a weird way, John Doe has shaken him out of his apathy. Yeah, yeah. Well that's it. Because so, he's like, Well, I've got to I've got to do something if this yeah. is the result. Mm. If this is like the final sort of apex it's... of where this goes, yeah. Perhaps I do need to step in. And because it, it's interesting because you I love there's a lot of sort of stuff that's unwritten in it that really works well like when um the police chief comes in and talks to him and is like saying oh well look yeah he'll go off and do this like after the greed and gluttony killings and then he says oh yeah the lab sent this down um yeah it was uh, fed to him and it's just the way he says it as he's leaving he's like you're going to I know that you cannot leave this. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, and the way he picks it up. So, so what was it? It was bits of plastic. It it's shavings from under the fridge. Yeah, where he's dragged the fridge out and it mm. rips bits of the lino. He feeds him the lino so that he knows mm. it will be found, and then okay. they'll drag the fridge because he's worried that they yeah, might see right. that he's hidden it behind the fridge. Yeah, and like you say, it is. It's that baiting that's... him. It's like yeah. we had in the last film with that. Mm. Won't, you, you could walk away at this point, mm. but if I just give you enough to keep you yeah. mentally challenged, you'll stick to it. Mm. Yeah, and, and, well, that's, and that's him realizing the apathy to some degree as well. He knows that the cops won't necessarily spend the amount of time they really need to. Yeah, yeah. And I think, well, I think also because I was reassured in a weird way watching it back this time of. How little I dis, how how, not much, but how to an extent I disagreed with John Duck, mm. or cer <laughs> certainly in his choice of victims. You know, where he says, "Well, they're, they're," you know, when he's like arguing that they're not innocent, and it's like, "Well, this, well, yeah, and possibly the lawyer." You know, actually, the bit with the lawyer is just, and uh, you, you were both secretly thanking me for that one. <laughs> yeah. <It's> just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why that that was a good dialogue. Like, oh yeah, because it was it was funny and horrible. Like, it was a good mixture in a pretty and short brilliantly space delivered as well. It was in spite yeah. of what I'm sure mm. all of us think of. Uh, well, yeah, basically, he's. I was shocked when I saw him here. I did not know he was in it at all. I was like, what? Okay, that's... again, part of his deal with coming on board was that he didn't mm. want his name on any posters or pre-publicity. Uh, okay, because as he because as he said, it's right. You're looking for a killer. I yeah. haven't turned up for an hour. Yeah, you it's know. It's pretty obvious at this yeah. point I'm the killer. Yeah. And um, that, that makes but, a lot of sense. Yeah. And actually, um, so he's credited twice mm. because when the credits roll, it's, it just says Kevin Spacey as John Doe, um, like a continuation of the opening credits almost. Mm. Mm. And then you get the cast list and he is he's cast in order of appearance. So he's credited for at the point where he appears as the photographer. As the photographer, yeah. 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 But yeah, so, right, so double L S, fuck off. Yeah. 
Um, but so, right, so the seven deadly sins and what he's trying to prove of them, and potentially some are not as um, guilty or sinful as you'd think he thinks they are. Um, but and oh, so, but, yeah. but the the point of I guess the film, I mean, it is a nice um, artistic way to use the seven deadly sins and create quite an impressive construct around that. Mm-hmm. And it does, you know, if, if you don't look into it too hard, don't it does work quite well. It does pull off that sort of concept quite impressively. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's it's very gruesome. And that that's, so, so I think I'd said like I definitely had we started to watch it. It was very late, and I must have fallen asleep. And that's probably like because it is like you say, it's dark, rainy. It's not massive it, action. It slides in. It's only yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, watching it this time really like it was really hard hitting. Um, and yeah, but and the the deaths are gruesome. Like mm. they, I'd, I'd guess I don't know. I mean, what else would it have compared to at the time that was this big, that and still this horrible? The, not even that. I was going to say that because a lot of people drew parallels because of obviously Silence of the Lambs because that was the. Mm. But they mentioned that in this, don't they? They, they said something about Jodie Foster. In fact, again, that's some of the quotes that they said. What was the, it? The, um, something the about Jodie Yoda. Foster quote is actually a taxi driver reference because uh, okay. um, basically she was in the film Taxi Driver and a guy called John Hinckley Jr. believed that he needed to save her and somehow that led to him attempting to kill Ronald Reagan when he was okay. president of the United States. He shot Ronald <laughs> Reagan. Obviously didn't mm. kill him, but... Yeah, mm. and that was so. Yeah, Jodie Foster oh, right. made me do it is because of him, and they, my dog made me do it is obviously um, son of Sam, son of Sam uh, Berkowitz. Yeah, mm. so uh, but yeah, there's I. That's what I mean. I think that, and I think all the way through, weirdly enough, we were sort of you know when sort of we've had a lot of films where it's like, for example, Scream, where people know they're in a horror movie and things like that. Mm. Yeah. Whereas yeah. with this, it's actually quite a nice throwback of someone who he thinks he's in a Bruce Willis movie. He thinks he's in Die Hard. And it's like, he keeps saying, like, at the start, ladies and gentlemen, we got ourselves a homicide. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and yeah. Um, um, Somerset and the pathologist just look at him like, you yeah. prick. Because <laughs> yeah. he's sort of like trying to do, I don't know, James Bond, Jack Burton one-liners. Mm. And but it, and you know and weirdly enough it's that although he's you know he he wants to both of them want to solve the thing it's not you know yeah. very clear but is but, that is that to make him stand apart from where he's come from where it was I think, I, a nicer I, I city it's just I just don't think he's had it knocked out of him yet yeah yeah, yeah. you know he hasn't had it ground out of him and I think mm. he's sort of like he's still keen. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, oh, we're going to solve, we're going to solve the murder of the century. This guy is killing mm. people with the seven deadly sins or whatever like that, and yeah, and Somerset's just like, no, I'm fucking done with this. Mm. This is, you know. I've got but, to say, one of the one of the quotes I made during watching this film, uh, yeah, is when Morgan Freeman goes in and obviously gets locked into the library after it's closed with the security guards. Yes, I was like. Oh my god, a locking in a library. That's the only thing better than a locking in a pub. And Jennifer was like, You've changed, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have. But oh but, how amazing would that be? It's it's also 
odd because it's like probably the last great hurrah of a re- an old school research scene. Yeah, exactly. Because now you just Google it. I mean, yeah. you know, all the stuff that came up in this, obviously, you know, it, it's stuff that you would just find online now. And even when I was looking into bits of it, that's obviously where I found them and stuff like that. But mm. it's, um, yeah, just like using a photocopier. Yeah, and <laughs> it all in an envelope, and it's not even—you're not even printed the page, which nowadays <laughs> people would consider archaic. You know, sure. it's sort of yeah, and it's yeah, it's just a weird little thing because it is now something that you just probably wouldn't have in there. Yeah, but um, it's, it's I, funny. It's funny how that doesn't age it, or it didn't seem to. No, no. but then and yeah, you think, think it perhaps should have done, but I don't think they really have anything in it. It's made at the time, but it doesn't mm. have anything in it that, weirdly enough, probably couldn't be around. Mm. You know, you might change the street signs or something like that, or the design of the cars. But most of this could play out in, like, 1920 as much as it could play out in 1999. It's so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean... I don't know. <laughs> I'm having my dates queried here. <laughs> it's it's timeless i would say that, that mm. i guess it's it's the focus in a way that's yeah i think it is, and again it's, it's it came out around that time like you say like silence of the lambs when these kind of crime slash horrors were, were mm. really big and i mm. think that's why i've not gone back to it because not being a horror snob but it's that whole thing of well if it's that big in the mainstream yeah it probably isn't as dark as i remember that, yeah. it being. it was probably more <laughs> readily available and then i watched it back so this like, one yeah i'm really glad he picked <laughs> to watch this because it's so much darker than i fucking i was just it's- not oh, expecting yeah. that at all i i'm actually like i say i mean i'm actually quite sort of impressed on how much it stood up mm. and sort of um but the um that like you were saying about it's, I mean, this was, this could have gone wrong so many fucking times. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they tried to cast hundreds of people for various <laughs> roles and stuff before they got the final group. And like, I mean, like I'm saying, Ali Ermley, who's um, the Ermley is the police chief. He originally auditioned for John Doe. And they were like, no, he's far too severe and one-dimensional to do John Doe. <laughs> um, yeah. But other people who are offered the role of John Doe include Val fucking Kilmer. That would never have worked. <laughs> and get this, Michael Stipe from R.E.M. That would have worked. I mean, as maybe more as Sloth. <laughs> But it's just, I, it's just a slightly skinnier version. Is that what it is? He turned it down. They were like, who looks like a slightly wider version of my stipe? <laughs> Kevin fucking Spacey. There you go. A slightly wider mm. stipe. More of a stripe <laughs> than a stripe, I'd say. Um, and, um, but yeah, he was so, and he only didn't do it because he was touring. It wasn't like. Oh, really? Yeah, that was, so he was pretty in the, like in the offing. Nicholas Cage obviously got offered it, but. I think Nicholas Cage kind of gets first refusal on everything that's ever made. <laughs> yeah. And, and and doesn't turn them down that often. <laughs> but um yeah, he was gonna he was up for meals, Sylvester Stallone turned it down. 
Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, it was going to be Denzel Washington as Mills and Al Pacino as uh, Somerset, yeah. which again, and apparently, um, Denzel Washington was like, when he saw the film, was like, shit, I shouldn't have turned that down. Because yeah. so, <laughs> obviously, it, you know, it did really well. But the, the, I mean, the unfortunate thing, it's like, you know, the success of Nine Inch Nails, which obviously kind of mm. relates to this, but the yeah. success of Nine Inch Nails, yes, great, everyone likes Nine Inch Nails. Shit, all these bands that have come after us that people are saying sound like Nine Inch Nails. No, they're not. They're all full. Yeah. And very much it's like, you you go you you know the serial killer genre really came out back in with Silence of the Lambs and then Seven, and then after that it was like oh well, what, I, don't, I don't know what does he do he kill, he kills people in accordance with the Seven Dwarves. <laughs> I mean, basically, this is theatre of blood. I kept drawing the same thing <laughs> yeah. watching it. I was yeah. like, this is the serious version of. You could, you but... could almost put. You'd have to. You'd have to. Do seven first, but there'd be, there'd be an amazing <laughs> double bill. Because yeah, I, it, yeah, just. About the other, I don't think Denzel Washington, had, Denzel Washington, would work as well though, because he's got that very kind of calm, laid back mm. air to him, and it's it's that manic energy that Brad Pitt brings to it in such mm. a contrast to Morgan Freeman, which is why I mm. think it works so well. Morgan Freeman, as you say, is worn down and weather-beaten and he's just like, I've just, I'm done with this shit and it's such a... Whereas, as you say, Brad Pitt is so, like he is in Fight Club, he's overexcited and he's just mm. dating with his hands all the time and he's so full of energy and... He's, he's, like, a, to... he's like a kid full of E-numbers. Exactly, he's like yeah. On the jitter the whole time. <laughs> yeah, as you would be if you're working a case like this, because like, Oh yeah! Can you imagine if, obviously, <coughs> like doing a job like this, you could never just switch your mind off to it. So you would be constantly low on sleep and high on caffeine, and it would make <laughs> you like that. And then once yeah. you get to having done it for forty years, you'd be burnt out as fuck and just been like, oh, yeah. "I can't wait to finish and just get to the bar and drink enough <laughs> that I can get a decent night's sleep." So it's it, they just work so well, and the same with the arrogance of um, Kevin Spacey as the as John Doe. Mm. I just I can't imagine this working with anyone else. It's such a, and I think that's why the film works so well. Those three are perfect, and even Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow, who. Mm. I mean, I don't dislike as an actress, but I, I don't find she's terribly. Uh... You can dislike her as a person. Yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. I don't she's think she generally mm. got a lot of uh, a lot of scope or a lot of range, but for a character like this, where she is, you know, the suffering wife of a person, yeah, it doesn't detract. No, no. It's, it's all right. Mm. I mean, I I just I feel a bit sorry for her because I don't think it's. Let's face it, it's the one probably the one failing of seven is it doesn't have a particularly great role for her. Yeah. Mm. Because it's basically, why are you here? So I can get my head chopped off and my <laughs> husband kills mm. the murderer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, and be pregnant, obviously. His performance at that end bit, I'd forgotten just mm. how like grueling, because you, you, you totally go through that with him. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. got the gun in his hand and he's like, I could just kill him. Yeah. No, I shouldn't. And if I do, I'm going to fuck my entire <laughs> life. But somebody's mm. just done it for me. So this is my chance for like, oh, and it's just gut wrenching. It's yeah. so, so good. And, it is. 
and actually the fact that like um like Somerset when he's like screaming to him to just put the gun down and won't yeah. tell him but can't lie to him mm. in a weird way you know um but yeah and and sort of like but uh, the fact he starts calling him David yeah mm. you know which is I mean it's classic negotiation technique as well but it's like the first time that he is again sort of acknowledging him rather than uh having that sort of vague combative air or whatever like that you know this is this is like no this is a fucking awful situation and the one thing we can do to salvage it is not let it get worse Mm. yeah i'm gonna talk to you like a human not not your role exactly not not as a a colleague Mm. Yeah, it's it's as a friend trying mm. to genuinely yeah. help him through this horrible. Thing. Oh, it's, yeah. Just, yeah. it's so well written. It really mm. is, and I think that's. I, I think I'd forgotten just how impacting it is because of you know I I as I say I watched it at late teens, early twenties mm-hmm. when I was just like, yay, loads of gore. And stuff. Yeah, well, not and it was not fine, that, and also, then forgot about it. Also, for years of hearing. Me and Dean going, I think the bar where we've just said it so much that it's become comic, and actually it's not. Mm. <laughs> it, it's far from fucking comic, but you know. But we we did, yeah. That was <laughs> that was a fairly regular conversation. But <laughs> and I did keep hearing Bradley Pitts too much acting, which I yeah. couldn't switch off the whole way through. But he's absolutely how, how many killings? <laughs> Seven. Seven. <laughs> League of someone, to someone pointed out that um, someone pointed out online the actual for for a, a serial killer movie you see one murder and it's a cop shoot yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know everything else is sort of everything else is post mortem it's like yeah you, you know or or this ne- nearly like, yeah like slow I mean that's, mm. ah that was another one they they pulled a fucking alien on them as well so. Um, I mean, obviously, that poor sod. I think I've, 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 I'm not not naming and shaming. What is it? Naming and faming? I don't know. Would that be the, that'd be the way unsung of putting hero. it? Unsung hero. We haven't done that for the last. Yeah, that's true. Years. Well, well, there's a lot of unsung heroes, and it's mostly the fucking poor bastards who got. Uh, for example, Bob Mack, who is gluttony, um, hadn't realised that he was only going to appear as a corpse. He thought there was actually going to be like some living mm. parts of the of the footage, but no. Um, and um, basically, they said to, when he turned up, they said, uh, "Right, we want you to be naked." And he said to David Fincher, "Well, if you take all your clothes off, I'll take all my clothes <laughs> off." Uh, so that's why he's in his pants and everything. And they uh, had to. They used real uh, cockroaches. Obviously, mm. so they had like seven crates of cockroaches. Again, mm. seven. It almost feels mm. like David Finch is trying to do like some magical working at points. <laughs> is he a you know, chaos like, magician? Yeah, mm. it's like the 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 face appears at the points at the seventh uh, seven minutes before the end, yeah. and seven buckets of cockroaches and so on like that. And here's an interesting thing, though. It is the seventh highest grossing film of 1995. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And I've got seven pages of notes. But don't panic. <laughs> don't panic. It's a big cast in its own way. Um, but, yeah, so, um, but yeah, so they put the cockroaches in, so they had to stick 
um, bungs in his nose and ears so the cockroaches mm. wouldn't crawl in oh. to him while he was playing it. But they did get in his pants. Oh, God. Yeah. So that's it. Um, Gene Borkin, who was Greed, the lawyer, mm. um, they used so much fake blood, they glued his knees to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> And you only ever see that in like flashes as well. (laughs) And and that's again, that's another one of the things with this film because you know what happens, there's Mm. so little of it, like we said with the head in the Mm. box, that you don't actually see in any great detail. And Mm. and because the film's so dark, Mm. um, yeah, like gluttony and stuff, although a lot of it is, is discussed and you can kind of see it, but it's all in silhouette, like it's not a particularly yeah. graphic film in a lot of the it allows you to infer far worse yeah yeah it creates the imagination yeah yeah which is why it's so grotty mm. and it works mm. perfectly though as i say you know watching the crap dvd <laughs> I, I kind of it, it really did work it just looking a bit crap and not I, i'd much rather that than be able to see the things mm. that oh we've yeah because yeah I, I don't want to see that and you've got Michael Reed Mackay, who was Sloth. Um, he is. He was. Did that? Did six, that do any good for his for his career? Well, he was six and a half stone uh, when he auditioned for the role. Fuck and David Finch gave it to him and had a little joke with him and said, "Oh, you'll probably have to lose some weight before you come <laughs> on set." And he lost like another six pounds and Jesus. just basically took David Fincher at his word and thought he did have to lose one. This is some oh. proper acting Neville had to do, even if they didn't actually get to say anything. 14 hours it took oh. to put him in the sloth makeup. Oh. And like I say, they pulled an alien. They didn't tell like um, the SWAT guys, the guys who were playing the SWAT team, they um, didn't. They thought it was a model, and they didn't tell them that it wasn't. Mm. So that's a proper reaction when he's like hissing. Yeah, when he, yeah, and he wakes up. That's a proper jump because they just, yeah, they assume they because it does look like (laughs) it does, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Until he starts moving, and it's really, I mean, that's really fucking horrendous. Although I did again, someone online did say, "Well, what's the problem with him being late?" You know, it was like in terms of John Doe's reasoning. And they were like, can't see what the problem with him being lazy was. What, do you want him actively out there being a drug-dealing paedophile? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, actually, that's a good point. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, so that's what I was going to ask. It's, it's the killings. He hasn't chosen the person because they've necessarily done each of the sins. All of them do, really, apart from that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was I trying mean, to think of the others. Yeah, if I they mean, definitely had... Yeah, because I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, I think it's but, but Mills sick- doesn't die, does he? But he exacts wrath. Yeah, okay, so that's yeah. sort of so, okay. because that's the thing. Sloth doesn't die. Mm. I mean, he event- clearly is going Probably. to die very yeah. soon, but <laughs> yeah. at that point, he's not dead. Mm. And actually, um, obviously, um, Pride is given the option. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, cut off her nose despite her. Yeah. Butt. I mean, that's again fucking mm. horrible. You know, yeah. I mean, they, they all are. I mean, how many times can we say the word horrible? But, um, but yeah, so, so I think there's like it's, it's about it isn't necessarily the death is the end of it, if you see what mm-hmm. I mean. Like, yeah. for example, Lust essentially has two victims, yeah, 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 
that guy's performance is so <laughs> yeah solid in that. Like it, it's so horrible. Like mm. that poor sword being put through that. Like it's oh, it, and he just plays it so so yeah. well. It's it's, yeah. it's gut churning to watch it. And that's the thing is, it's very again back to that sort of thing of yeah. There's some really graphic stuff in this, but you don't see. Anything you don't see it happening. Yeah, you don't yeah. see it happening. You just infer it's, it. Yeah, and mm. his performance is part of that. Mm. And you know, I think it, I also think it's very significant that that seems to be the one that really winds up John Doe. And I would, and on a cod psychology level, I would say that there's an element of, um. Like it, I think that just stems from a very early misogyny mm. that and sort of sexual inadequacy that tends to characterize serial murderers. Mm. And it's like, so of all the ones he's going through the list and he's quite flippant and everything, and then it's like, and and of course, the disease spreading whore, yeah, Do you know what I mean, there's yeah. no yeah. term with that or anything, that's just pure sort of, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. that's pure, venomous. Yeah, 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 which and. But even even that thing, I mean, like, so, admittedly, because of, um, I went through, like, obviously, the, the references, because, I mean, there's so many things in there. I mean, I love the fact that, obviously, uh, Somerset, um, you know, uh, Mills is not a big reader, clearly, um, but I just love him getting the cliff notes. Like the study aids, <laughs> so it's like I, so I don't have to fucking plow through this book. I'll just get the point. Yeah, but also that he's quite sort of shamefacedly putting them in the putting them in the drawer, <laughs> like trying not to show Somerset when he's <laughs> when, when he's moving into the office. Um, and, and when he says to what is it? When he says Merchant of Venice, and he's like, never saw it. Yeah, and <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think that the. Um, yeah, so you've got like with obviously you've got like Paradise Lost is in there, mm. um, and um, the Divine Comedy, and like actually, and the, the the whole thing with it is that I like the literate nature of it, but also the fact that it's it's kind of the physical thing of books because you've got mm. obviously you've got John Doe's fucking stacks of handwritten journals. Mm. Um, and that was, I think, where was it? Um, I've had to put it as the books in John Doe's Nutty Room were created <laughs> by designer John Sable. Um, that's that's because that's had an Adam and Joe reference where they said about it. Because it's an interesting thing they do say about it, and this is very true. Serial killers apparently don't use their baths. Because in Science of the Lambs, there's a corpse in Buffalo Bill's bath. Like rotted in there, and in this, you're developing photographs in it. No stink, that's why, yeah. <coughs> but yeah, he this guy, this uh, designer, John Sable, he bought like 15 grand's worth of old journals and then ripped them to pieces and sewed them back together by hand mm. and then baked them so they'd get <laughs> aged and everything, and then he got the like the rest of the production team were getting like all the photographs in there, like medical textbooks and limbs and amputees and corpses and autopsy things and some mm. medical stuff and things like that. And then he just sat down and wrote 
all of like I think twenty. I think there was in the end he wrote about twenty five. Just stream of consciousness. What was it they called it? Incredibly perverse stream of consciousness. Anal handwriting. Yeah, and so <laughs> so the books that are in there for like a couple of seconds. Yeah, there's like twenty five of all that, Bloody and hell. and some of them have mm. even got like um, one of the books they mention. Um, was Modern Homicide Investigation. I looked it up and it's a real book. Hmm. And actually there's a quote from you in one of the panels, you can see there's a quote directly from that book. So his whole like library card thing, you know, where it's like John Doe's library card and you've got murderers and mad. Oh, I love, uh, obviously I love the, of human bondage, bondage. No, what are you thinking? <laughs> <No. Yeah. laughs> and, the Marquis de Chardé, the Marquis de Sade, whatever. <laughs> you know, and but um, yeah, and but they also wanted to do a different opening titles. And originally it was going to be there's a there is a deleted scene of right at the start was going to be Somerset viewing a cottage he's going to retire to, like a place mm. in the country. And then the titles were going to run over his train journey back to the city and they'd run out of budget so they couldn't film that mm. so instead they were like well we've got these fucking mad bastards books <laughs> you know and and then you get that title sequence that is really fucking iconic and real and you've got yeah. obviously you've got like nine inch nails remixed by coil over mm. the credits of that and it's just sort of like yeah just out of the fact that you ran out of a budget to do a, what I would argue a fucking more boring. Yeah. Obviously you that. Get that. <laughs> That's back to that. Yeah. The constraints sometimes work very well. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> and, but yeah, there was, so yeah, they mentioned divine comedy, history of Catholicism and murderers and murderers and madmen. I couldn't find either of those as like a specific book, frankly. Mm. Um, like I said, modern homicide investigation, which is a, Subtitled a practical information for coroners, police officers, and other investigators. <laughs> um, cold in cold blood, the Truman Capote book, which is Marcus, Marcus Park's favorite true crime book, I believe. No, um, yeah, of human bondage, Marquis de Sade. I mean, let's face it, everyone's favorite perf, the Mark. <laughs> there he is, dirty bastard. I'm assuming that that was going to be 120 days of Sodom, aka 101 recipes for the unwilling coprophage. Because <laughs> yeah, that that is that that definitely would be appeal to John Doe. It's like sort of like mm. here's this book about people, you know, doing the most horrendous fucking things to prove how shit society is. And yeah, but one I found really interesting though is because they mentioned St. Saint- Thomas Aquinas, mm-hmm. and so I was like, right, I've got to look this up. And he was a um, he was a monk. He was a 13th century. Was he a monk philosopher? Yes, he was a monk yeah. and philo- philosopher, and he's actually the patron saint of teachers. Mm-hmm. And basically, eventually, his his philosophy was adopted as the philosophy of the Roman Catholic Church. Now, bearing in mind mm-hmm. this was he was around kicking around in the 1200s um they yeah. adopted it in 1917 so that's how forward moving <laughs> you know these these things are um but basically he he was the first person who tried to reconcile um 
science with religion and mm. like reason with yeah. faith. Mm. Um, and he made the argument that reason as given to humanity by God was universal. And so intelligence isn't just for those who are of the Christian faith. God will bestow this upon all of humanity. And so you can still learn and you can still take concepts and ideas from other cultures mm. that aren't necessarily and obviously uh, in those points we're not just talking christianity we're talking about nations that are under various religions that's mm. really the ruling sort of system <clears throat> and so for his example was because um uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you which obviously was um, one of the golden Christ's, Christ's yeah. teachings, you know. But as he pointed out, that also is pretty much the foundation of most working civilizations or yeah, working yeah. relationships or working groups. And so he proposed that there were two there were two laws that govern the universe. And it was natural law, which is basically everything you can understand, everything you can that has an explanation, or has a reason behind it so for example that was natural law so do unto others as you would do unto uh, as you would have done unto you is natural law because that works and it is a philosophy it's a science it's got you know whereas um eternal law is basically all the weird shit god does like angels appearing to people and mm. prophecy because remember obviously he is it's the 13th century so um so he split it apart in order to so he he split the two apart and basically said well they both are part of the same thing and it was Mm. a real oddly enough it was was a real leap forward in the Mm. idea that oh no we can go to these people who we don't have the same beliefs as but that doesn't mean that their belief in how to make glass or how Mm. to make yeah it's not that is still useful yeah yeah is Mm. Um, you know, it's not wrong just because mm. they they don't. Their religion agree is wrong in our religious yeah. terms. Yeah, and yeah, so and like I say, I mean, obviously, it took a few fucking centuries for them mm. to sort of think that, that might have been a nice thing to put out there. <laughs> but the thing that struck me is because I was read, I read all this, and I was quite sort of, oh, and then John Doe says God moves in mysterious ways, and mm. he is almost saying that he is eternal law. Yeah. So there's so where they're saying what's the reason behind it? Why were you doing it, John? And he's like, well, you know, God moves in mysterious ways. He believes that because he's on God's mission, he is eternal mm. law, and yeah. he is not bound by reason. Mm. And it's a really fucking fascinating sort of concept to yeah. it sort of threw up. And again, it's that whole thing of go go and do the reading because you get a real richness out of the film but mm. also not one that you need to fucking do yeah no it, it, that it, is it, when it's done well yeah it, it, yeah exactly this is one of those films where the deeper you delve into it the better it becomes almost mm. because there's so much that are almost throwaway lines that you would just accept mm. but when you actually you know as you say do the research and look into it or so much beyond just take the time to think about it yeah, mm. like you were saying, you know, a lot of what John Doe is saying to some degree, although you obviously don't agree with the way he's going about it, a lot of the things he's saying, you're like, well, I can kind of see why someone who is unhinged would 
would latch onto these things and see it that way. And it, 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 it's yeah. so well thought out. It's such a fantastic script. It's, and, it's a presentation of how ideas are dangerous. Yeah. Really? You know, and, it, and it, actually, you can convince yourself. I mean, I have to say, and this is probably, this probably says more about me than anything else, is I do sort of see things, not see things like John Doe, but I see, <laughs> or perhaps I see it more like Somerset, where it's like, you you know, Somerset is fully aware, but actually he has the interesting line about love is is difficult and it takes effort and mm. it takes time. Yeah. And it's almost like he has to make himself fall out of love with humanity mm. because it's the only way that he can deal with deal with it. Yeah. Because and it's that lovely what is it? I understand that it's where he says, but I understand, which is part of love. John mm. Doe doesn't understand, which is yeah. why he takes this fucking hard line. Well, more than a hard line, but you know, yeah. why he takes his stance, whereas Somerset is actually sort of coming at it as the sort of I sympathize. What is it? Um, it's easier to steal something than it is to earn it. Yeah, you know, and it's all it is all sort of things that yeah, it's just or it's what is it easier to beat a child than it is to raise it. And all these things that are sort of horrible where it's like, I understand these things, but I've had to, I'm withdrawing from it. It's mm. funny. Now you say that, it makes me wonder if the last words that Morgan Freeman delivers, actually, although it's his realisation of, you know, the world's a shitty place, but I'm willing to fight for it. Mm. Does that also, does that, therefore apply to him and to John Doe because John Doe feels the same the world is a shit place yeah and he's also mm. willing to fight for it but from the from the opposite direction so like mm. they both have the same philosophy yeah they're dealing with it in diametrically opposed positions yeah yeah I didn't know about that until now see again this film just keeps yeah. giving it's a, the film don't, don't read the wrong books that's the trouble <laughs> I, th I think I think is it. I I I actually quite like the fact that he goes to at least two books that clearly John Doe has gone to. So it's like yeah. like you say, they're in that. They're definitely in the same headspace. Um, headspace, yeah. yeah. But it is it's true. It's almost like and, and actually one thing that came up because you've got he does mention about the seven um, uh, cardinal virtues, which are in opposition hmm. to. Um, the seven deadly sins hmm. but also some uh i can't remember what it is but it's a branch of orthodox christianity that has eight deadly sins and despair is the eighth deadly sin which could Ooh. be you know which could be argued that is what he is that's exhibiting. Yeah. he is the eighth sin is mm. uh, somerset and but yeah there's i mean the um I will tell you this because this is going to make you vomit. Yep. Oh, again, fantastic moment. Oh, fucking vomit! And it's like, <laughs> yeah. was, was there any blood in it? I didn't see. Knock yourself out. You yeah. know? <laughs> but this, so obviously the film did really well, and in one of those weird moments, you know, when it's like that was a really good song that got to number one. How the fuck did that happen? How did you fuckers get this? <laughs> after all this time um but yeah so new line cinema the distributor wanted yeah, that, to totally i i, I hadn't yeah. remembered that at all when that logo came up at the beginning i was like oh shit i didn't realize it was them who distributed it yeah 
But they want, and again, let's face it, they're not afraid of a fucking sequel, are they? <laughs> so they wanted to do a sequel called Eight. <sighs> but mm. This was 2002. So we're talking like seven years after the fucking first time round. But they, mm. they've got a spec script called Solace. And they adapted it to be Eight, the sequel to Seven. In which, uh, where are we? Somerset has developed psychic powers and is pursuing a similarly psychic killer. Hmm. And basically, it fell through when everyone involved with Seven just said, fuck off. (laughs) I'm not doing that. That sounds like bullshit. In Hmm. fact, the direct quote from David Fincher was, I would be less interested in that than I would in having cigarettes put out in my eyes. <laughs> and uh, But Solace was eventually filmed as Solace with Anthony Hopkins yeah. as the psychic detective and Colin Farrell as the killer. And none of us have seen it or heard of it. And I'm writing it down. When you were saying it, I was like, that is an absolute travesty. Would I watch it? 100%. Oh, oh yeah. No, that's the thing. That's what sickens me about it. Is I know I'd have been watching it. I'm it's... watching that. <laughs> Absolutely, it's going to be dreadful. <laughs> but it's, it's the sheer interest at that point, isn't it? Well, yeah, you know. totally. It's, I mean, <laughs> look at Troll, Troll and Troll Two. That's nothing whatsoever to do with it. Second one's so much better than the first. I mean, I don't think it's going to be better than Seven. Let's not. <laughs> if it is, please tell me because then I can get, <laughs> get a whole new obsession. So, um, obviously. I've got to mention the end music, uh, Hearts of the Lesson by David Bowie. Hmm. Fuck me, that was that was a pure boner pop when that hit at the fucking end of that. I've, it's like, I've just watched this amazing film and there's a bloke in it and, it was, and, and, and it's like fucking miserable. And it's, yeah, that's right. That's what life is like. It's fucking shit, isn't it, Morgan? <laughs> and then Bowie kicked him with fucking Hearts of the Lesson. <laughs> This is the greatest cinematic experience of all time. <laughs> but, but the weird thing is, is it was um, that comes from Bowie's Outside album, hmm. and the concept of Outside is an art murderer. It's a guy mm. who makes works of art by mutilating and murdering people and displaying them. A bit like Hannibal, like the TV series of Hannibal, yeah. where it gets into all those sort of designs and stuff like that. So even that's on point. With the sort of you know thematically, <laughs> it's there's so many layers going on with mm. this film, and I, I I think that's the thing. I don't think I appreciated it at the time, and I'm so glad that you chose it, Adam, because mm. honestly, yeah. oh, right, like man. I, as I say, it's been so many years since I've seen it, and uh, yeah, Lady Jennifer and I watched it again in the week, and we're just like, holy shit, that's so much darker, so much deeper, and so much better than I'd yeah. ever remembered it being, mm. even on a ship print. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Good call, and happy birthday. Thank yeah, you. Happy birthday. Well, well I've, I've blown out the seven candles on my cake. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> and, um, yes, uh, so thank you, gentlemen, for joining me on our odyssey up the seven terraces of Bagation. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, what an amazing film. Um, oh, I'm I'm just glad you enjoyed, guys, because I because mm. I, I I sort of picked it and I was like, oh, I know I'm a miserable bastard, but that doesn't always <laughs> apply to everyone else. 
But <laughs> Do you know for, what? fortunately, it's a cracking film as well. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When you said you wanted to cover it, I was like, yeah, it's your birthday choice. We can cover anything. Mm. But I was like, I think I'm going to hate this. And I, I think if I go back to it now, I'm going to be upset by it. And mm. I am going to tear it apart, which I'm quite happy to do with a film I dislike. Oh, yeah, no, I, no, no and, question of it. And I absolutely enjoy it tearing into a, a, <laughs> a, a bad film. And I thought I was going to go back and go, what the fuck was everyone thinking back in the 90s? Because it was mm. terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, and I was just absolutely blown away by it. And it's going to be a regular rewatch for me, I think. Oh. It's definitely going to oh. become a film I watch far more regularly. Because Oh, brilliant, man. Oh, that's, that's there, there is so much, yeah. so much in it. I think mm. I'm going yeah. to get the Blu-ray because I'd, I'd like to... It's worth it. I, I like seeing it shit... Mm. I mean, I've got it on VHS if I want to watch it really <laughs> shit. I can go all the way back to that. Um, but yeah, I, I do think I'm going to go back and rewatch this more regularly because it's just got so much to it and it's just such a beautiful film to look at. Mm. Um, oh, that's fucking, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I think also we should all read the books eventually. I've, well, I've, I've read Paradise Lost, but I admit I was on speed. <laughs> So I, I sort of, I sort so of. What know you mean it, but... is you read the words and took in the words, but not what any of the sentences meant. Yeah, there was, there was no potency, no. And um, yeah, and I've, I've, well, I was going to say I've read the Divine Comedy. No, I haven't. I've listened to the radio adaption with John. Mm. So that counts. <laughs> um. So for our next episode, are we going to be doing what we've been watching? Um, do we want to give people a chance because our next episode after that is a Blu-ray which is coming out on uh, pre-release. It, well, it's, it's on pre-release now, but it's not coming mm. out. So do we want to give people the heads up so that they get the opportunity to go and pre-order it if they yeah. would like to follow us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Right. So uh, following our trip to Horror on Sea, uh, and seeing Eating Miss Campbell, which mm. very much enjoyed. Uh, we are going to be covering after what we've been watching. So in one month's time, we are going to be covering My Bloody Banjo. Yes. Uh, which we said was the prequel to Eating Miss Campbell. Um, yeah, and it, it's it's out on pre-release on Blu-ray. So go and get it and... Mm. It, yeah, it, it's it's the next film we're going to cover, and I'm guessing a bit like eating Miss Campbell, it's going to be really fun and really exciting <laughs> and really gory and fucking ludicrous. So, yeah. so go and get it because I think it's going to be one of those films that you, you're going to want to have seen it before we discuss it. Yeah, um, and and it's a you know it's that that lovely trauma, mm. chaos, fucking lunacy. Um, well, it's, it's the term, it's the, the thing I've said about loads of times, it's the that review of Blood Duster. Good-naturedly mm. offensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are going to be doing a trauma month. So that's the first film we're going to be doing. Uh, and then we're going to be doing uh, Class of Newcomb High after that. I know we don't normally let you know that far in advance, but we're going to do it because we want yeah. you to I, see the film. Just, uh, just a quick question, and this is a bit, it, it's behind the curtain. Welcome Ooh, to horror. Cool. Which way round should we do them? Because thinking about it, are we 
better doing my bloody banjo second because then it would give them chance to get the blu-ray or yes yeah you could be right yeah yeah let's do that around yeah so we'll do class of newcomb high then we'll do Mm. my bloody banjo just so that you've got time to pre-order get your blu-ray and watch it before we cover it Mm -hmm. so so get out there and get that um get um class at newcomb high because that's i believe streaming on shutter Oh, is it really? At the moment, yes. Oh, well, excellent. That's probably then, where I'll be watching it. Yeah. Then I won't have to watch my, again, my terrible DVD version, <laughs> which I bought for three quid about 20 years ago. That um, is probably worth about, like, 100 quid now. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a, it's a fucker to get. A lot of the Troma stuff is now. Oh, yeah, I've got, like, I've got, um, I, I say I've got, it doesn't belong to me, but in the lot, <laughs> I have got Toxic Avenger 2 on VHS. Wow. That belongs to Dr. Dean, my brother. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... He's not a real doctor. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask him for advice. But he will give it. Oh, but, yeah. But don't fucking listen. Um, He's unsolicited, but he will give it. <laughs> anyway, thanks ever so much for listening. Happy birthday to Adam. Yeah, Amazing talk. choice. Yeah, mm. totally you. blown away with that. Um, yeah, and we will see you all in a fortnight's time to let you know what we've been watching. Thanks very much. Good night. Good night. Good night.